0: All right. Well, welcome. We are going to have some special guests here. I know that my face is really big on screen, unfortunately, and there's reasons for that. But uh, we have someone next to me that, well, you're not going to see it just yet. But if you read the title, you're going to know who it is. Anyway, folks, if you want to join in, um, if you're watching on the ApologeticsLive.com. From there, you'll get the link to join in if you want to join in and be able to dialogue with the different guests that we're going to have on. But our regular uh, folks that we have, you, this I am Andrew Rappaport from Striving for Eternity, Matt Slick from CARM.org, and this is Apologetics Live, live every Thursday night, 8 o'clock Eastern time, where we try to answer your questions. You can come in asking Almost anything, and uh, with that, I'm gonna first introduce Mr. Slick. How you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. How are you doing?
0: All right, I have next to me none other than the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> one that Matt Slick refers to as the spiritual Batman. We'll get into that, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Justin Peters, Andrew, how are you, brother? I'm doing well. Good, and we, we have your pastor on the line, don't we? We do indeed, yes, we do, and that would be Mr. Jim Osman. You actually can say hi, Jim.
2: Hey, buddies. How
0: you doing? <laughs> the guys talking very much. Yeah, he's like all, talking of all day. And now he goes quiet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so uh, <clears throat> what we hope to cover tonight is going to be an area that uh, I know, you know, Justin is an expert in. Jim Osmond's an expert in. Matt, you've done a lot of study in. But the faith healers. NAR and I know Matt, you you just finished up <clears throat> the annihilation study, and you're planning yes. on diving into some stuff with NAR coming up yep. soon. So that's uh, something folks can get look forward to. Um, and uh, we're we're gonna have some dialogue amongst ourselves, and we're gonna add some folks later on. So if folks want to to join. So real quick. Uh, for folks who don't know your background, Justin, um, could you give your background a bit? How you got involved in in this, and then I'm going to ask Matt to explain why you are the spiritual Batman.
1: <laughs> well, he has sure. to explain um, that one.
3: <clears throat> <clears throat> I, I'll let you do that. Um, yeah. What should, should I look at the? Should I look you can at, look that? at the okay? So, um, what I'm most known for is my work in the. Word of Faith, Health and Wealth, Prosperity Gospel. It's not my only interest, uh, but that is kind of what I'm known for. But uh, I do a seminar entitled Clouds Without Water that I teach uh, around uh, across the United States and internationally, usually a few times a year. And it deals with the Word of Faith movement. I go into the origins of the Word Faith movement, um, the standard doctrines that they teach, and point by point correct everything everything biblically from Scripture. But um, The way I first got exposed to this movement was as a teenager. I was born with cerebral palsy, and when I was 16 years old, a neighbor of mine came up to me and he said, Justin, God has spoken to me, and he's told me that he's going to heal you as long as you have enough faith. And, of course, at age 16, I wanted to be healed, and so this really struck a chord with me. And uh, he told me about a faith healer who was coming to my hometown at the time uh, Vicksburg, Mississippi, And the faith healer's name was Nora Lamb, L A M. And in the weeks leading up to her arrival, he was showing me a lot of Scripture. He would have me down to his house and uh, show me a lot of Scripture that I now know he was taking out of context. But at the time, I didn't realize it. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, by his stripes we are healed. 3 John 2, Beloved, I pray that in all things you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. And, And so I was completely convinced that I would indeed be healed and I thought I'd <clears throat> ginned up the necessary faith for that. And so I went to see Nora Lamb, went to see R.W. Schambach, and uh, obviously was not healed. So that was that was my first exposure to it, but it wasn't until years later as a seminary student that I began to study it in a more uh, academic level and came to to realize how thoroughly heretical the movement actually is. It's not just about health and wealth. It's not just about... <clears throat> fancy suits and Rolex watches it's they have a different God a different Jesus a different atonement and a different gospel so that's uh cliff note version okay and, that was, and real that quick was the
2: short version
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Jim how about you give your back room real quick so I passed the to know who you are in
2: north Idaho back to you Justin <laughs>
0: You're about as quick as Matt when he wants to go when you expect Matt to
3: go long. Can we are we allowed to give our church the church's website? That's up to you guys. Um if if Jim won't say this, but but our our website okay, I'll go church... ahead
2: and I'll go ahead and give my background now, Justin. If you're gonna start Okay, talking. go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I passed a small church in, in uh Kootenai, North Idaho. Uh, we were up by the, the Idaho Canadian in the Idaho Panhandle next to the Canadian border. And I've been pastoring for 22 years, a small congregation up there. I started in 1996 when I was 24 years old. And uh, we have a great uh, fellowship of Bible-believing, conservative, Christ-loving, Christ-worshipping fellowship up here. And Justin is a a member of our church. And uh, I got saved when I was about 15 years old at a local Bible camp. Uh, God saved me. And uh, through the ministry of this church that I now pastor.
0: Yep. So, Matt, you've, you've been studying uh, some of these guys, Benny Hinn and the, and the like, for quite a while. What got you interested? Uh, we, we know what got you interested in studying Mormonism is the quote from Joseph Smith saying that he was uh, more godly than anyone. What, uh, what got you into studying Benny Hinn?
1: And uh, stupidity. Guys like stupidity. <laughs> um, just seeing some of the stupid things that they would say and uh, just go, you have got to be... Be kidding me. And um, so I was just uh, entranced by the inability of people to exegete scripture properly, the way they would read stuff into the text, that's eisegesis. And then, of course, they were narsegesis. They, they would read the text in a way was about them. And uh, they just didn't know what they were doing. They couldn't argue their way out of a wet paper heresy. So, uh, you know, when you're dumbfounded by the idiocy of cults, and then you read that within the Christian camp, there are people who just believe things that are just as wacko as Mormonism, God from another planet, and things like that. You start studying, and uh, that's what got me into it. And uh, then that's when, shortly about that time, is when my spiritual Tourette's started to develop, uh, calling names heretics and, and things like that and stuff. But I'm being nice right now.
3: <laughs> Do you know him saying that just with the planets that jogged my memory? Uh, I read in a magazine, Believer's Voice of Victory, which is Kenneth Copeland's magazine. He said that the reason that the other planets are uninhabited is because God had plans to put people on all nine planets. Uh-huh. Pluto included, I guess. And, uh, and But Adam messed everything up with the fall.
1: when he, uh-huh.
3: In Copeland's words, when he ate the apple. But, but Jupiter and Saturn and Neptune... Uh, they're all supposed to have been inhabited, but Adam messed everything
1: up. Yeah, <laughs> this story, that kind of stuff. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, you know. Well, they, they said there's a mother planet and things like that, and you know, and, and you hear stuff like this. And particularly, as someone who takes the word of God seriously, you hear something like that, and just I mean. You ever seen a round square that's actually blue on Tuesday? You know, <laughs> it makes no sense. And that's what, that's what I feel like when I, I listen to these people. Are you serious? And to me, I've always been intrigued by uh, her- various forms of heresy. So uh, well, that's you, why I started.
0: There was, Matt, you and I got to – in New Jersey, you and I were um, – Justin Peters was speaking at church in evening service. And I don't, I don't remember exactly what you said, but he was telling a story of Jesse Duplantis. Oh, yeah. In a cable car. Do you remember that? Do you remember what you said to me when well, you let, said that?
1: Let, let me say something that I've heard it all. I've been studying apologetics for 38 years. Someone says something to me, I just do this. But <laughs> I will say that um, at the conference that, that uh, I was speaking at, I was one of the few times in the past 15 years where my jaw actually went, what? Huh? We're just ratcheted down as he was saying things like, are you kidding me? Yeah, you're the only one who's been able to do that. So... Uh, that's pretty good actually, but so, that was it, a place. Remember, that's what the place where we had a, uh, a a synergist, a narcissist, and a monergist speaking didn't wasn't it?
0: <laughs> there's the, the, the thing is okay. So justinpeters.org, you're trying to say is 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 uh, you know a, a
1: narcissistic. A narcissist. It's about him. You say striving
0: fraternity <laughs> is synergist, but there's nothing about karm.org that makes it monergist. There's nothing
1: in that name. It's Christian. You're just making that apologetics up. <laughs> research ministry. <laughs> so I, I thought it was a great a great joke when I got up there. Hey look, we have and were all we were all three there. Look, we have a, a narcissist narcissist. I was talking to about uh, I kind of go, this is Justin Peter's ministry, narcissist and striving for eternity. Well he's obviously a synergist, but I'm the only monergist here and you know, that's <laughs> I'm better than them. It it kind of went it, it went okay, I think. Well, for the record, we're all monergists true. Or synergists true. Yeah,
0: <laughs> or narcissists.
1: I'm <clears is, throat> a narcissist.
0: The irony is that Justin's probably the least narcissist person I could ever know. So, yeah, he once um, told
1: me he was proud of his humility. I, I agree, he's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so I, he, let sh, let let's talk about that that account with from, um, uh, with the cable car, um because that really is a picture of of how wacky some of these guys are. So, Justin, could you you go over that account with Jesse Duplantis and what happened in his cable car experience?
3: Yeah, so Jesse Duplantis says that he was preaching in uh, Magnolia, Arkansas in 1988. And he, after the service that night, he went back to his hotel room, closed the door, and he just felt like God was impressing him to, uh, God wanted to talk to him about something and, So, and and God just kept bugging him. And so Jesse said, Lord, what? And then right at that moment, he says he was sucked up out of his hotel room, found himself on a cable car traveling through space, traveling through space and time. And there was a blonde haired angel on the cable car traveling with him. And when the cable car finally came to a stop, the door opened. And Jesse stepped down into heaven, and then the angel, the blonde-haired angel, gave Jesse a, a guided tour of heaven, showed him his own personal mansion that was decorated with all of his favorite furniture that he likes on Earth. So, um I, I mean, it's just, it, it's bizarre. I mean, you, you, its it, it, it would make a science fiction movie look like a documentary. I mean, it, it's just <laughs> Looney Tunes. You really can't. Right. It's just unbelievable. Well,
0: there was was it was it with the cable car, or there was one where you had where uh, he he came in the morning to I think in his office and God just oh wasn't yeah. in the mood
3: wasn't a good mood. So so after this event, uh, Jesse says that one day he went into his office, his study, where he meets with Jesus on a daily basis, and Jesus shows up and <laughs> talks to him. And he said he walked into his office, but he noticed that Jesus just didn't seem like himself that day. He just something was off. And he said, he said to Jesus, he said, Jesus, is something bothering you? Something bothering you, Jesus? And Jesus just kind of looked downcast and he said, Jesse, my people have disobeyed me. And Jesse said, and I I just kind of I've seen this so many times I have it memorized. And you could look it up. Close Encounters of the God Kind, if you don't believe me, watch it. Close Encounters of the God Kind, but of just Jesse, Jesse Plants. And Jesse said, Lord, I'm shutting it down. I'm canceling all of my appointments today. I'm shutting it down, and I'm going to sit in here, and I'm just going to love on you and, and worship you and call your name Hosanna until you feel better, direct quote, until you feel better. And and then Jesse said, he goes like this. He says, come here, come here, like Come here, and and so then he hugs Jesus, and and then Je- Jesse said that Jesus just breathed a sigh of relief, like, oh, and just unimaginable, un- unimaginable. I mean, Jesse Duplantis is, yeah, he's he's one of the worst of the worst, and he's extraordinarily wealthy. I mean, he, if, if you think that people don't believe this stuff, like that's too outlandish for people to believe, consider that he is one of the wealthiest of all of them, and he's, he's either currently looking for his, or has already purchased a uh, $75 million private jet. So, You got one of those, have, right, Matt? You got one of the <laughs> private jets? Yeah. yeah, in my fantasy oh. land. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, I mean, that was that was the, the time where, I mean, I remember when you explained that, and Matt just looked at me and was like, I don't get surprised often.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is such a blasphemous thing. It's a reduction of God and exaltation of man, comforting God because God is needy. It reminds me of the book, uh, The Shack, and where Jesus can't even catch a trout as he's walking on water. This idea of the reduction of God and the majesty, not understanding who he is. I don't see how, I'm not judging their salvation here, but I don't see how someone like that can be regenerate. It doesn't make sense. No. Um, so it certainly is, is, a, is a cause for very serious concern, obviously.
3: One of the, if I may, one of the points that I try to make in my seminar is that one of the great theological ironies is that the Word of Faith, NAR people, would look at uh, someone like me and they say, oh, we Well, you don't believe in the Holy Spirit. You don't believe in his power and the power of the Holy Spirit. To the contrary, um, I am so confident in the power of the Holy Spirit of God that I do not believe that someone can be indwelt by him and teach the kinds of blasphemies and heresies that these people teach. The very first time one of these heresies crossed their lips, if they were truly indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God would drop them to their knees yeah. And they would be under such heavy conviction that they just could not continue doing what they're doing. Uh, and yet they do with reckless abandon for years and years and years, decades, many of them. And so uh, that is one of the great ironies is is that the very people who claim to have such a high view of the Holy Spirit actually have the lowest
1: view of the Holy Spirit of God. You know, um, you have... What you have, I have, I was born with uh, Asperger's. I have a deformed bone in my back and I have 80 decibel ringing in my ears. I prayed for healing on all of these things. And God has not seen fit to do that. Um, And as you know, he has a way of using us in our frailties and our weaknesses in order to bring glory to him. You know, it reminds me, there was a uh, a friend of mine in, in San Diego, and he was into this stuff, and we were talking one day. And I said, "No, no, no! You don't understand something. God doesn't always do this—heal people." And I and I set him up. And I said, "You know, I believe that God will make people's eyes blind and, and them deaf." And he said, "No, God would never do that." And I said, "Are you sure he'd never do that?" He says, "Yeah, he would never do that. He always wants people healthy." <laughs> so I got the Bible and I showed him Exodus four eleven, where 411. you know, God's talking to Moses who makes the eye blind, the the ear deaf, the tongue dumb, is it not I, the Lord? And I showed him the verse. Now this is what is interesting, is that he sat there for maybe a full minute. I didn't say anything, I just waited. And he stared at the text and then he said to me, after about a minute, he goes, well, I don't know what it means, but it doesn't mean what it says.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've I've heard similar responses. I've shown... Yeah, <laughs> that'll preach. Yeah.
0: Well, Jim, you have you. I mean, we talk about the people going to heaven. You have a whole book on these experiences. I mean, Don Piper, Matt. I know you've dealt with some of these as well. With these accounts of people going to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember my first a- account with it. There was a book in the. I want to say it was like the late eighties. Guy who said he was shaving in the in the mirror, and. Jesus appeared in the mirror. And I've always said the reason I know that that guy did not see Jesus is because he kept shaving. That's not what Isaiah did on Isaiah 6. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he fell down on his face and just said, woe is me. I'm a, I'm a sinful person. I'm a people I'm of a sinful people. Uh, he, he didn't keep shaving or the guy who, you know, was having a splashing fight in the Jordan River. Um, what? Yeah, there, there was a book about a, uh, a guy who said he went, he went up to heaven and was having a splashing fight uh, in the with Jordan the, River in heaven with
3: Jesus. There, someone sent me a um, – Bart McCurdy sent me a link. Apparently, there's some, some uh, person out there that has recently said that – I believe as was a woman. She went to heaven, <laughs> and seriously, she said that in heaven, cows drive tractors in heaven. I'm not kidding. Well, I mean, she, she was
1: watching cars. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Jim, tell us a little bit about your your book Cow's about uh, like I like I, I. mean, I'm acting like I'm the host yeah, of the show, but hey, this uh, is an open
0: kind of open forum okay. for most uh, <clears throat> part for today for a bit. You know. Since
3: we're talking about people who go to heaven, Jim, tell us a little bit about your book. Do you happen to have a copy with you?
2: Uh, no, I've got a copy there in my office where you guys are sitting. Uh, <laughs> where is it? Uh, it's over there behind my desk where I'm, uh, where I normally sit in the corner. Okay. Back there. It's called
3: selling the stairway to heaven. Yeah, it's it.
2: about third shelf up on the, in the corner. Um, my books are laying horizontal like this. There's three of them there.
3: Ah, okay. All right. So, all right. Do you
2: find them? Do you find them over there? So, oh, yeah. Oh, there it is. Yep. Yeah.
3: Here we go. Who's in charge of, okay. I'm just curious. How to, all right. So selling, this is one of your three books thus far. Thus far, I'm two behind you. Matt's
0: got—I think Matt's got more than all of us. Yeah, and he—he Matt produced two this month. Go figure on that. (laughs) Two and he had him like sitting. He was like, "Oh, I have
3: this done. I just got to finish it up." And they're both on atheism. Wow. So, so Jim, tell us about uh, selling Stairway to Heaven. What?
2: Yeah. So, in in selling the Stairway to Heaven, I did a review of three different books uh, where the authors claimed that they went to heaven and spent some time there. I. I review Don Piper's book, 90 Minutes in Heaven. I review uh, Todd and Colton Burpo's book, um, Heaven is for Real, and another one by Eben Alexander called Proof of Heaven. And Eben Alexander is an unbeliever, so he doesn't even try and make any claim to be a Christian or even make any claims to try and being present any kind of a biblical view of heaven. And uh, I, I compare and contrast these three these three books, and it's a very thorough review of each book. So... Uh, in in the chapter, for instance, that deals with Don Piper's book, I compare some of the statements that Don Piper says with other statements that Don Piper says, both inside the book and outside the book, to show that he's inconsistent. On one occasion, he'll say he did not see God when he went to heaven. On another occasion, he'll say that he did. Also in the book, there are inherent contradictions in the book, and then there are contradictions between these various authors. So Don Piper's account of heaven contradicts Colton Burpo's account of heaven, and then even Alexander's account of heaven contradicts both of the other two. Even Alexander is a, um, you know, an ag- agnostic. He kind of presents a more Eastern view of uh, the afterlife, and it's just a convoluted mess. And so the, the purpose of that, of including an unbeliever in there, is to show that, yeah, probably these experiences, there's some legitimacy to what these people are, are experiencing if they're experiencing something. But is there a way of explaining what they ex- are experiencing? Is there a way of explaining what Don Piper experienced? And I think that there is. Uh, Don Piper could have been, uh, well, we know he was heavily medicated. Um, What he experienced or says he saw and experienced could have been a result of the medication or the extreme pain that he was in as a result of the accident or both of those things together. Or Don Piper could have been deceived by a demon. And the same thing with Colton Burpo. Um, I'm certain that even Alexander was deceived by a demon. And uh, so, you you know, part of comparing all three of these books together is just to show that uh, unbelievers say that they've seen heaven as well. So if you're going to embrace with open arms Don Piper and Colton Burpo and their accounts, what makes you say that even Alexander's account as an unbeliever uh, and an an atheist, actually, when he had this experience, he was an atheist. um, What makes you think that uh, you can embrace some, but not all of them? that shows the inconsistency of the Christian position on that. It seems to me that we either have to account for all of them in the same way or we have to reject all of them.
0: Right. You know, so you, and you mentioned Don Piper, who I think when he started, he sounded more solid than, I mean, then he got involved with all the faith healers and all. Yeah. Matt, you mentioned the, the shack. And if I remember correctly, you you actually interviewed the author of the shack when yeah. you did the first book, and then he came out with the second book, and you had basically said that revealed that he really didn't believe in anything that was orthodox theology.
1: Yeah, he, the first book, uh, he's heretical. And the second book, he's even more heretical. And I did, I did reviews on them and stuff like that. I got to interview him. He thought it would be on my radio show. You know, it'd be a puff piece about, hey, you're wonderful. Love the book because it made me feel so good. <laughs> and then he... He, uh, he didn't know who you were. No. no. I actually wow. told him. I said, "Look, I'd be glad to sit with you and teach you biblical theology, so you don't make any more errors like this. If you're interested." And of course, he didn't like that. I meant it. I didn't try to. Wasn't trying to be arrogant, but I, I tried to say this as, as you know, humbly as possible. I said, "Look, you're making a lot of mistakes, and uh, I'd be willing to sit with you and go through the you know go through this." But he wasn't interested. But nevertheless, um, yeah, I forgot what goes on that one. But yeah, in the second book he did same kind of thing. But you know, it, it's just the same thing is <clears throat> is uh, I look at this out of Genesis chapter three verses one through seven, and you guys know what that is? It's deception of um, of Eve. Well, the, the short version of it is that Satan comes in and, and uh, doubts God's word. She modifies God's word. God's word. Then he contradicts God God's word. But verse uh, in Genesis three six. I'm starting to think that uh, or suspect that Genesis 3, 6 is, is, well, far more important than we realize. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, this was, you know, the coveting of the, of the eyes, seeing what we want. And that it was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was desirable to mm-hmm. uh, make one wise. So it's an internal thing, a covetous kind of a thing. Uh, she ate of the fruit she gave to her husband also. So she saw that the tree was good. It was a delight to the eyes. and was desirable. So what she saw, what she desired, what she wanted, all this stuff, and the fall occurred. And um, this is what I see in the positive confession movement. I I see this kind of of attitude. What I want is my health, my wealth. My wife just had open heart surgery. She almost died on the table. And the only reason she didn't die was because her chest was open and the machines were keeping her alive. And is, seriously. And, you know, she's got some very serious medical problems, and it's really altering our lifestyle, and we've got to move out of state to another state because of it for health reasons and stuff like that. Well, you know, she's a godly woman and a great woman, and yet she's uh, not healed. And I wouldn't ever say that she didn't have enough faith. Uh, just like Justin doesn't have enough faith. I've seen Justin. You know, Justin's a man of faith, and we all, all are. And it's not how much faith. It's who our faith is in that is uh, that's important. You know, a faith of a mustard seed you know, smallest of of seeds. Technically, it's not. But it was in that understanding in that culture at that time was the smallest of the seeds. And, you know, this is the faith that we're to have. And God can heal us, but he chooses not to. And we have to understand why he chooses not to. You know, and Justin's a great example. And uh, you know, I feel for Justin, the way he has to get around. No disrespect meant Justin, but you really have to go through some stuff to, just to get around and go and speak and serve, serve the Lord by serving people. And yet, you'd never complain, and you're a, a witness and a, you know, a testimony to the grace of God. Well, you know, if we're all healthy and wealthy, where are we going to be glorifying God in that kind of a sense? And these people who want everything now diaperinian theology, you know, give me something to suckle and change my diapers and make me feel good. I'm in a a, um, theological hammock and I need to be comforted. And they think this is what Christianity is and they don't understand. That's not it. Our Lord who bore, bore chains and bore whips and bore derision and was struck and had no place to lay his head and was accused and maligned. How much more should we following after his lifestyle suffer as well in one form or another rather than say i need another 60 million dollars for a second private jet so that i can go out and witness the gospel to people i see the lies of uh, the prophecies of the apostasy that is going to occur in the end times the apostasy inside the church and here in successful america in a comfortable gospel, we get up and everything's for us and, and you know, heated cars and GPS this, that, and microwavable that. And we go to a nice, comfortable church. We don't need to rely on God um, except to get us more money, except to get us a better insurance policy for our health. And um, it's the apostasy that's occurring now, which Justin is trying to expose and which you try and expose, which I'm trying to expose and um, which Pastor uh, James is trying to expose as well. I'll just stop talking.
0: <laughs> well, let me, let me ask you. This. I'll start with Justin, then I'll Matt, and then to to Pastor Jim. What do you think is the most dangerous uh, thing about the faith healers' doctrines? Their 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 teachings. What do you think is the most dangerous thing about it?
3: That they have a different gospel, uh, which is. the the emphasis on health and wealth is really not the core issue the the emphasis on health and wealth is what makes this movement so appealing to people, but health and wealth is just some of the bad low hanging fruit off of a rotten theological tree. They, they have a different God. They have a different Jesus. They have a different atonement. And so therefore they have a different gospel. And, um, one of the things that I tell people, it's, it's, I would recommend also Kosti uh, Hinn's <coughs> book entitled Defining Deception that deals with some of these uh, Christological heresies. They're heresies about the person, work of Christ. Uh, I tell people often it's not enough to just believe in Jesus. Mormons believe in Jesus. Jehovah's Witnesses believe in Jesus. Muslims believe in Jesus. You've got to believe in the right Jesus. Mm-hmm. You've got to believe in the Jesus of the Bible, and if, if you don't, then you've you've got a different Jesus and therefore a different gospel. And the the Jesus of the Word Faith movement is just as much a different Jesus as is the Jesus of Islam. Uh, so it it is there's nothing redeemable about the movement. It's it's thoroughly heretical from start to finish, origins to what they teach now. So um, anyway, it may have been a longer
1: answer. Yeah, than, no, that's Matt. What do you
0: but,
3: what do you think? I mean, what do you think would be the most dangerous
1: thing in their doctrines? that's he's, he's right. The issue of salvation of the false gospel that they're preaching and teaching uh, leads people to damnation. But, you know, you remind me of a story though. I used to do volunteer work. at the Christian research Institute, CRI. And one of the things we did in the evenings was try and raise funds for a new building. And I remember having a conversation with somebody on the phone who was yelling and screaming at me because I represented Christianity to him. And the reason he hated Christianity was because his daughter had bought into the health and wealth gospel and refused to go to the doctor so her cancer could be cured. Instead, decided to wait, and it killed her. And it broke my heart, and this man hated the gospel, hated Christianity because of it. It took me a half hour to tell him that we were working against that very thing, and that was not true Christianity. And I you know felt for him, and things like that now that 's not as dire as the issue of, of what uh, well it is close to it of what Justin just said about a false gospel because they 're preaching a false Christ and a false thing, and it 's causing others to stumble, and so people are lead, being led to damnation uh, because of it it 's an evil thing it is
0: Jim, what do you think
2: uh, <clears throat> same thing about a false gospel and a false God because ultimately that 's what damns people is believing in a false gospel and a false God. I think one of the things that makes it uh, so insidious is just how alluring the doctrines are. Uh, If you're rich, then of course you feel like that's the blessing of God and that's a deception in itself. And of course, if you're rich, you want more riches. If you're poor, then of course you are, you know, you think that this spiritual train is the way to get more, more riches. So it, it has this broad appeal to uh, people of every socioeconomic class because everybody who's poor wants to get out of the poverty and everybody who's rich wants to keep it and increase it and feel like that's a mark of their spirituality. <clears throat> so the insidious nature of I I think the the alluring the alluring aspect of the word of faith movement is just is hideous. And then the lack of discernment that people have in not being able to tell what is real Christianity and what is not, it looks so much and people are unable to discern in today's day and age People are unable to discern true Christianity from that false Christianity. And that is, of course, the, and Justin would know more about this than I do, but that is the the growth that we see uh, all over the world in some of these countries is not biblical, John MacArthur-style, evangelical, conservative, Bible-believing Christianity. It's the flashy, charismatic, word of faith, um, yeah. sensational nonsense that is growing. And people, people buy it up. That's what they think Christianity is. It has all the right words has all the right phrases uh, it has all the right concepts presented there. Um, people think it's legit. And of course it's not. It is, it is a huge deception.
0: Yeah. I like, I like what James says in the comments on YouTube. He, he says, I'm already rich. Jesus saved me. That's the right perspective. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. And, and I would say tagging along what Jim just said, uh, I can affirm that because I've been all around the world preaching and teaching on this and it is the face of Christianity around the world today. It is the face of Christianity. I've, I've been in some of the poorest countries on the planet, Uganda and it it is just it saturates every facet of, of um, quote unquote Christianity in most of the world it is bad as the problem is here it's exponentially worse in uh, Central and South America, in African countries, um, Asian countries, even. It's it's far worse. We, w- The United States has created this movement, and, and we have exported the theological poison to the rest of the world through TBN and Daystar and through the Internet. And uh, so now you've got indigenous prosperity preachers that have learned the tricks of the trade by watching American television, TBN. And um, largely TVN, They start. Yeah. And, um, and so you've got in, indigenous prosperity preachers fleecing their own little little flock. So, um, yeah, it's all. And I tell people, too, if you want to get an idea of the state of Christianity, quote, unquote, then all you have to do is turn on your television. Because all television is is a function of supply and demand. Whatever the demand is, that's what they're going to supply. And so when you turn on TBN, who do you see? You don't see John MacArthur or Steve Lawson or Paul Washer. You see Joel Osteen. You see Joyce Meyer. You see Beth Moore. You see Kenneth Copeland and all these others. So um, it's a a pretty telling state. Just turn on TBN and and look and see what you see. Are you saying Beth (laughs) Moore is (laughs) bad? Yes.
0: (laughs) All right, so... <laughs> yeah, may we could we could talk about her <laughs> but matt you so karm has uh there's there's karm uh, folks working for karm in in Turkey which deals mostly with islam there but karm has has folks in um in south america uh, and some and has someone in africa they're dealing with this on a regular basis i mean how how do you how do you see from From the stuff they're dealing with in CARM, how are you seeing this false gospel exploding in South America and Africa, like Justin was saying?
1: Well, we know that it's in Africa, and the concern I have is I've heard the minimum is 80% of the churches are positive confession movements, churches. Well, my concern is, among other things, is that when those fail, Islam will come in and fill the vacuum. And this is something I'm really worried about. We need to get that truth out. And, uh, you know, at CARM here, I think the best way to do it is by the Internet. You know, bang, bang for your buck, you know, uh, an article, and get it out there, and it's efficient. Of course, we need feet on the ground as well. So that's an issue. We had a foreign exchange student here from uh, Bogota, uh, Colombia, about five years ago. And um, so we were talking, and the church she went, I checked it out online, and it was, sure enough, woman pastor, Padre confession church. And it's down there as well. Now, we have a guy in Bogota also, Carlos, and he is, um, he is, I'm just thinking a couple things here. He's reformed in his theology. I think Reformation theology is a the cure for this idiocy. But um, that means you have to submit your, your heart and your mind to God instead of the other way around. But um, anyway, Carlos down in Bogota says it's bad down there as well, that uh, this stuff is just exploding, and he's warring against it. But he said the good news is more and more pastors are starting to see it, that it's bad, and uh, seeking good biblical theology.
2: So So question for you guys. When When your average pew sitter in these different locations that have been ravaged by Word of Faith doctrine, when they jettison the Word of Faith teaching because they see it to be morally, economically, spiritually bankrupt, do you think that they jettison all of Christianity when they do that, sure. or do you think that they're jettisoning uh, just word of faith theology and, and coming over to a more Reformed view? It's, it seems to me that it's just a, f- a few people that say, you know, God delivered me out of that, and I, I came through this, I grew out of this into a biblical understanding of truth. That, that seems to me the the exception rather Dignity, than the rule yeah.
1: yeah and i don't know if people are aware of this but i learned this at the uh, last conference that they had on world religions there are minimum 50 million people in the world who are uh, spiritists now mm-hmm. if you think about it spiritism and father of confession aren't that f- far off a mm-hmm. uh, form of sorcery is name it and claim it you blab it and grab it if you say certain sentences in the physical realm then certain spiritual manifestations occur and you get wealthy or whatever healthy whatever well this kind of a thing particularly in the animistic influenced cultures of South America where spiritism is still alive and well when the vacuum is occurs because they, they they drop they're going to turn to something else that's going to work instead of getting money and power, and wealth they're going to turn to something else that will serve their own flesh, and that is spiritual power. And so that's what I'm worried about in South America because it looks like 50 million people, and that's the low, highest I've heard is 70 million people there, are into Spiritism. So it's a serious problem. It's a serious problem. And so one of the solutions I think is worth trying is. Is hijacking the Goodyear blimp and all the way down to South America with Spanish tracks about the truth at 30,000 feet. Just spread them out there.
3: That's a great idea. I wish we could do that.
1: Um, yeah, I'm going to just change my name to Justin Peter and go do it.
3: <laughs> uh, Jim, to, to tag on to your question, or I would, say, I would say that the vast majority of these people who end up becoming disillusioned with word faith. I think they do exactly what Matt was saying. The vast majority of them just walk away altogether. But happily, uh, I, I can say that um, I get emails every day now, um, every day usually from different parts of the world every day, even uh, from people who, who whose eyes have been graciously opened by God and they have come to see the deception they were in and they have embraced the real gospel. Uh, the true gospel. So God does save his own out of deception. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's really an encouragement to me. I I, I get so many of them now, it's hard for me to respond to all of them, but I do do read them. But um, but yeah, I get emails all the time from all over the world, people being saved out of this stuff.
2: Justin's ministry is one that does a good work for helping people see that deception. It's one worth supporting. Amen.
3: Yeah,
0: and, and I, I want to talk about uh, both an individual specifically that contacted you and, and supporting you in a moment. But, Matt, I, I do want to bring up, you, you mentioned the word positive confession a couple of times, and, and not everyone may be familiar with that. Um, can you define what that is and, and what's the errors that we see in it?
1: It's basically an older used term, but it means uh, you positive. Confessed. your words have creative ability because we're made in the image of God. And so therefore, since we're his children, that we can create our own reality. Now they don't say it in the way a new ager would say it, but it's there's similarities and that you can bring about what you desire by the utterance of the positive confession. You must confess positively this stuff. And so an illustration of this is, um, talking to a guy at a job about this and uh, you know on lunch break and I said let me get this straight so you're telling me then that if you had a broken arm he goes I wouldn't have a broken arm <laughs> I said okay so hypothetically someone snaps your arm over their leg you wouldn't have a broken arm and I just kept going you know and I said so uh, would you be able to hold on to a bar with your hand and suspend your body on that broken arm it's not broken you know, it's like, what do you do? Um, break his arm. <laughs> break his arm and, Yeah, there you go. That's a solution. Yeah. yeah. So, positive confession, because what he was doing then, if he admitted that he had a broken arm, then the broken arm would become a reality. Now, if you guys know anything about the mind sciences, that's a mind science, Christian science unity uh, yeah. uh, kind of a thing. And in mind sciences, reality, uh, it, uh, Christian science denies the existence of physical reality, where Unity School of Christianity, Charles Fillmore, affirms physical reality. But they both, uh, the main schools, teach that as you perceive things, that's the reality. And that you your perceptions and desires can alter reality. And mm-hmm. you can create your own reality. So it's the same kind of a thing that's moved over. In fact, the uh, precursor to the positive confession movement was... I can't remember his name. Uh,
3: well, you got a few.
1: You would have uh Essex Kenyon. Kenyon. Uh, Kenyon. Is that who you're thinking of? EW Kenyon. Yeah. EW Kenyon, yeah. yeah. He was the guy who uh one of the main guys who uh, started this kind of um, false doctrine and people just bought into it. And they and listened Phineas to Quindy the as identical. As well. line. Yeah, Quimby also, yeah.
3: Quimby would have <coughs> uh Quimby predated Kenyon, but you you have you have a, a, a kind of a witch's theological brew cauldron of, of Christian science of uh new age of, of Gnosticism of new thought mm-hmm. uh, Quimby and Kenyon and all those guys. And, and it's kind of the, the bad product of that is, is the positive confession doctrine of yeah. the word faith movement. And they are,
0: isn't this um, I'm trying to remember the name of the book. Wasn't it like, like uh chicken soup for the soul. There's some book. that was like a bestseller, but it was basically speaking things into existence, which is exactly what I, I read in Joel Joelstein's book. Joel Joelstein believes this that mm-hmm. if you if you really picture something, then it's then God's that's gonna make it's gonna call the universe yeah.
3: into to bring you that in. In in fact, he's saying Joel Osteen reminds me, Joel Osteen is actually taught that the reason that God had to shut Zechariah's mouth in Luke's gospel is because God saw that he was making negative confessions and uh that would have stopped God's plan. Zechariah's negative confessions would have stopped God's plan of redemptions. And so in a last-ditch effort to save his plan of redemption, God had to reach down and close Zechariah's mouth, make him a so. who said that? Joel Osteen. On on multiple occasions. He's Multiple occasions he said that, that, that. That's why God closed Zachariah's mouth, because Zachariah, with his negative confessions, was about to, to wreck God's plan of redemption. I mean, the, the one consistent thing that, I mean, just in listening to, to the three of
0: you, the thing that seems consistent with all of them is how they lift man up on high and, and lower God down. Mm-hmm. And in some cases where God is subservient to man, that, that, that God has to do with man's bidding. It's complete, I mean, it's completely reversing what Scripture says. And I think that's why, like Matt says, reformed theology uh, corrects this whole thing because it puts God in his proper place as the sovereign of the universe and puts us in, in our position as his creation.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right.
1: You know, that's one of right. the best things I ever learned in seminary, Westminster Seminary, the fifth most g- difficult graduate school in the country. These guys had more degrees than a thermometer. And they get up to the board, and they would do all this stuff, and everything was great. And one guy got up, and he said, gentlemen, I'm going to teach you one of the most important things you're ever going to learn in the seminary. I'm like, whoa, yeah. I open my book. I get my pen. I'm ready. And he wrote two sentences on the board. There is a God. You are not him. And he <laughs> put, the, uh, put it down, and uh, he said, now, let's talk. And I went, oh, man, come on. Over the years, I went, uh, yeah, that, that was true. It's, I mean, it's true, but you really learn how true it is later. But it's yeah. true. There's a God. You yeah. are not him.
3: <sighs> a, a high view of God is, is the kryptonite to this movement. I mean, I mean yes, it, it, it really is. It, it really is. You cannot have a high view of God and believe this stuff.
2: Andrew doesn't understand kryptonite. That's a cultural
0: reference. Yeah. 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 The pop culture, it has something to do with Superman. I do know that. So, and actually, you know, Matt, you're talking about uh, Justin's faith. Um, Let's embarrass Justin a little bit and and explain this, make him explain the
1: story. Yeah. You got to explain the Batman story.
0: Yes. To explain the Batman story, why it is you call him spiritual Batman. So, so you, you went, you had Todd Bentley in, I think it was your town. And what did you do?
3: Uh, a couple of hours away from where I lived at the time. Okay.
0: Yeah.
3: So, so what did you do? <laughs> well, there's a YouTube video of it up. Um, but I guess this was back in 2014. Todd Bentley, Bam Bam Bentley, if you know who Todd Bentley <laughs> is. Uh, <laughs> bam Bam. bam. bam, bam. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> awesome. he always calls The Holy Spirit, he always said, is refers to as Bam Bam, right? Yeah, when he's giving someone the anointing, he's bam, bamming them, bam, 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 bam. That's what that's his
1: stick.
3: Um, So wait,
0: wait, wasn't Bam Bam some character on the Flintstones? I just want to throw in a cultural reference. I'm
3: impressed. Now I'm impressed. Andrew's more cultured than he lets (laughs) on. That's right.
1: There was Wilma, and then there was Pebbles. Yeah, I'm older than all of you guys.
0: And you look it too.
1: I feel it right now.
0: So so you went and visited Todd Bentley. He was excited, yeah. I'm sure.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he was at a church in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, I went over there with Mike Miller, a friend of mine, and fellow board member along with Jim Osmond on my ministry. And, and uh, we were there. Todd Bentley was speaking at this church. And uh, the service went on and on for over three hours. And it was being live streamed on the internet uh, cause I saw it on TV the night before and I heard him make a mention that it was going to be live streamed. 76 people in 76 different countries were watching. And I thought, hmm, well, it's just down the road and uh, might be a good opportunity to call out Todd Bentley for <laughs> what he is. And uh, so I went and I was actually sitting on the front row over on the left and the service went on for hours, you know, three hours minimum. And uh, I had fully planned to go up and call him out, confront him. And uh, as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, "Am I really going to do this? Am I really going to do this?" Uh, and I just about talked myself out of it, but I decided to do it. And so I just walked up. Todd Bentley's on the floor, and came up behind him, and he.
0: Now, hold on. but I mean, for folks who don't know, right, right? You don't just walk up. You you have cerebral palsy, yeah. so
3: you don't walk. How do up you walk up? up? Yeah, how do you walk up? Well, I do walk up. I just yeah. don't walk real quickly. <laughs> you don't walk quickly you, and you, <laughs> you, you have to use get crutches. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I mean, we have to get in the picture. Okay. So yeah, so I walk up uh on my crutches behind Hobble. him and um hey, what? Hobble. In both
1: hands, right? One in each Hobble. hand,
3: right? Yeah, yeah, crutch in each hand. Yeah.
1: That's right.
3: And so um <clears throat> he senses that I'm there, so he turns around and he sees I'm on crutches and he says, "Well, I'm going to pray for you," meaning you know, he'll pray for the sick later. And I said, I have a word. And when you say I have a word in those circles, you know, everybody wants to know Ooh, what's God telling you. And he's, he said, is it a good word? And then, <laughs> and then the dummy puts the microphone in front of me. Now picture the irony of this. I'm in a room full of 400 word faith, NAR kind of folks, all of whom claim that God speaks to them on a regular basis. Todd Bentley claims that God speaks to him all the time, in real time, giving him words of knowledge about everybody. But in that over three hours that we had been sitting there, God apparently did not give him a heads up about what I was about to (laughs) talk to him. God God left that out. (laughs) Yeah, God was (laughs) busy with other things, apparently. And, uh, he, that's because he had
0: Jesse Duplantis in his office at that time.
1: <laughs> no, he, he yeah. was in a, he was on a cable car talking to Jesse. Yeah, right.
3: <laughs> right. So, uh, so Todd says, "Is it a good word?" And he puts the microphone in front of me, and then I quote Matthew seven twenty one through twenty three. Many will say to me on that day, "Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and your name cast out demons, perform many miracles?" And then I will declare to them, "I never knew you. Depart from me." You workers of iniquity, and I said, "This man <clears throat> is a worker of iniquity." And Todd Bentley asked me, "He says which man?" And I said, "You. <laughs> you are the man." um you're you're Batman. So, <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> that's what I said. You are Batman.
3: It, it's just uh, you know, it was one of the. I, and I'll say this: I'm I, anybody who knows me, familiar with my teachings at all, you know, I'm not a, a mystical kind of person by any stretch of the imagination but i will say that when i was standing next to todd bentley it was the most palpable almost tangible sense of evil that i have uh ever experienced in my life uh he is he is one of the darkest individuals uh, i've studied all of these people for so many years And there's only a couple of them that I think are actually demon-possessed, like genuinely demon-possessed. I think Kenneth Copeland is one, and I think Todd Bentley is one. Uh, It was all I could do to stand there. It was – the way I know – best way I know – you know when you take two magnets and you try to put the same pole together and they just repulse? Uh, I don't know what, if anything, that guy was feeling, but I know for me it was all I could do to stand there. It was just – Pure evil. I mean, the guy's demon possessed. If he's not, I don't know who is. So, yeah, and um, you know, I, I want to. Jeff has been in here for a while. I want to
0: bring him in so he can ask some questions. And folks, anyone who's who wants to come in, you can go to ApologeticsLive.com. dot uh, com. There's where you can get the link to join. Um, so, Jeff, you'll be able to unmute yourself and uh, and ask your question of these guys.
4: Oh, there I go. How you doing, gentlemen? Oh hi. Hi Jeff. Hi there. Hi. If uh my kids scream in the background, they're uh playing a football video game or something like that.
1: Uh <laughs> just speak the word to them and, and they shall be quiet.
4: Quiet. <laughs> that that word's usually shut up or something. <laughs> 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 or be quiet. Uh anyway, I uh um Matt, I really appreciate what you were saying earlier. Um I um when I first speaking, I grew up uh, nominally Roman Catholic. And uh, the person who led me to the Lord was uh, 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 Pentecostal. so I first started attending uh, um, uh, like a a small non-denominational Pentecostal church and um, you know over time you kind of see more of what I came to recognize as word word of faith sort of tendencies. It wasn't like complete uh, they weren't into the prosperity stuff um and, it, I, you know, it was damaging, uh, especially early on. I, I actually have a genetic kidney disease, and I remember uh, people once praying for me about that. And, uh, um, well, I got a kidney transplant last year, so maybe that was what was successful. Um, but um, one of the things I saw was more like, when you get to passages that are, like, if you believe you know, have faith and prayer it, that, that kind of, how would you describe, I think it's also people recognize that, that you can't get whatever you want in prayer if you just believe enough. So how do you take those texts seriously? So they, they are truthful, but at the same time, you're not uh, going the word of faith route. If, does that make sense? Oh yeah. I'm trying to ask, um,
1: <clears throat> Yeah, faith is only as good as who it is in, and there are plenty of places that says things like, uh, if you have faith, you know, say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, and it will be. And I, I, personally, I think that it, it's a literal truth, and uh, I don't have enough faith for that, because Jesus said, if you have enough faith, it'll happen, and it's, faith is only good as who you put it in, but... The thing is, you know, we take the the whole of Scripture and the issue of faith and what we can accomplish. And 1 John 5.14 is really an important verse because it says this is the confidence we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so, you know, like uh, right now, and I'm dead serious, I would like a brand new car in my driveway. My car is... Got 115,000 miles on it. It's 2007. I'd like to have a new car. Okay. Is it going to happen? It's not going to happen. right? People, oh, so you don't have enough faith. Well, my faith is in Jesus. Can he do it? Yes, he can. It's up to him. So, you know, what are we going to do with our faith? Are we going to say, I want this or want that? Well, God may be saying, I don't want you to have that car. I don't want you to have it because I'm not going to get what I want in spite of what God wants. He's the sovereign, not me. And so what we need to do is be recognizing that when we pray, we'd be praying within the will of God. And this is what is so important about prayer. We've got to pray so that we change, so that we are in the will of God, so that what he desires is what we desire, so that whatever we desire is what we get. And what would we desire? (coughs) Oh, the selfish, I want a new car. Or how about this? Lord, would you please... um, bless so-and-so to spread that gospel because that's what's important and then we ask according to his will and it occurs it's this kind of a thing that i think is really going on in a lot of these these talks in scripture about faith but i do believe also there is something to, to this issue of faith not just having faith in faith let me make that clear it's not faith in faith that's mysticism but there's something about faith in god and I remember once as an illustration of this, you know, I was, Carm was two years old and I was working full time and, and um, just trying to make ends meet. And we were trusting God. We're, my wife and I were not frivolous with our money. And we owed $900, it was Saturday, and we owed $900 for rent on Monday. And my wife, I still remember this, she came to me and she said, What are we going to do? And I said, I don't know. But I know this we're going to trust God. He'll provide one way or another. What I was asking in my trust of God was not, hey, I need a new car. This was not bad. It was I was working hard, trying to provide for my family, was within the will of God, doing all those things that were godly and proper. And I just said at that point, I'm going to trust God. My wife literally went to the mailbox, came back 20 minutes, opened up the mail, and there was a check for $500 in her hand, donation. I couldn't believe it. The next letter she opened up, there was a check for $400. Now, that's $900. I mean, we just stared at each other. Now, God ordained that from the foundation of the world, and he sent people to have people send those checks. Then, is it because I had that faith? Or did God ordain that I would have the faith? I guess in the more theology. The thing is that um, faith... We are to have faith. We're not to throw the baby out of the bathwater. Positive confession people say, you both have faith, you'll get what you want, and therefore we, it's not true. No. We've got to be careful that we don't be so judgmental that we just negate some truths that may be in there in the Scripture someplace. We've got to be careful because the object of our faith is what is true, and he is the one we've got to bend our knee to. And once we're in his will, whatever we ask will be accomplished. In fact, I would recommend that people who want to know about this read the book um, Answers to Prayer by George Mueller, the orphan king. Uh, he's my hero. Seriously, you should read him. You should read. In fact, what he <clears throat> you see his philosophy was real simple. God put it upon his heart to do something. He prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And prayed. Is this you, God, or is this me? Is it you or is it me? And then when God communicated to him, that way that God does, you're reading the word sometimes and like, whoa, it's just enlightened, right? That so, it speaks to you and through his word. And he said he knew that it was God who wanted him to start an orphanage. And so from then on, he didn't worry about anything because it was God's problem, not his. Now he's in the will of God. They had an instance, and this was in England in the 1800s, late 1800s, when the building needed to have the furnace um, replaced. But in order to do that, they had to shut it down. But it would be like out of commission for two or three or four days or kind of a thing. They didn't know. But it was during the winter in England, and they didn't have electricity. They had kerosene. So what are they going to do in this wood building get a, buy a bunch of, uh, or rent or loan or whatever, borrow a bunch of kerosene lamps in a wood building full of children, not safe. Uh, they couldn't afford electricity. This new thing called electricity and light bulbs. What are they going to do? So this is what he did. He said, Lord, this is not my problem. This is your problem. I'm in your will. Therefore you're going to have to take care of this. And he said, the only solution I can see Lord is that, When they go the day to shut down the furnace, would you please cause the north wind that's cold to stop blowing and have a warm uh, south wind blow during the time that it's down? And so when they shut the furnace down, they came for that work. There was a warm south wind blowing. They shut the furnace down. They worked on it for two days. The men worked straight through the night, the whole bit, got it taken. And when they turned the furnace on, the cold wind started blowing again. See, Lord, would you stop the north wind? That's in the will of God. Because we're in the will of God. That's when faith
0: works. Well, you know, one of the things that people don't know about George Mueller, and he he says this in his in his book, in his autobiography, the reason he put his autobiography out is because there was nothing special about his faith. Um he, he said he did he wanted to do a an orphanage because of the fact that. He figured that that is the greatest way for God to get glory in just he was him ready. trusting in God. And that really was the thing, is that he was trusting God. Um, I think one of the things that we don't see with these faith healers is they're really not looking to trust God. I mean, Justin was just uh, shared a video with us earlier today of, of this woman who I guess goes around and and before every hurricane she had a, like a bat or something and she's she's smacking the her, hurricane Irma out to sea and yet it still hit, landed on shore and, and she just did it with, with, with Michael. It was, Michael, was it Michael? Cool, who the was that? I, yeah.
3: cool,
0: cool. And, and she's casting it out to sea, then why did it strike the land? And And yet what I guess drives me crazy is these people still have followers I mean time after time after time of giving these false prophecies you know um you know so, so i mean matt's asking who who was it that um you know who had uh the bat yeah my computer hit up. I, didn't, I didn't hear it yeah what was her name the woman with the bat that was casting out oh, the cat kerr cat kerr
3: k-e-r-r-k-a-t oh i've heard that k-e-r-r yeah she's so <clears throat> looney tunes just looney tunes <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, isn't and you have Joyce Meyer and others who, who oh, get on their private man. jets and say that they they cast the storms away from them. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, these guys. It's like if if they were praying all these storms away, why did they hit land? I mean, at what point do we say you're a false prophet?
3: Right. Yeah, they keep they keep, it, it's almost like a dog returning to its vomit. They just keep doing the same things over and over and over. They keep failing spectacularly publicly and, and they don't even have enough common sense to think, wow, you know, I really don't have a good track record on rebuking these storms. I probably ought to stop. <laughs> it's just like, they, they keep doing it. Uh, it's just un unreal. Uh, can I take a tangent just for a second? Why not? um jim a question one of, one of the i get asked a lot uh one of the more common questions I get asked in my q and a sessions dealing with this is uh why does God allow this to continue you know if these people are so bad and and the people asking me these questions would acknowledge it that they are bad people false teachers false prophets why does god uh why does God still allow this? To continue, why, why doesn't God do something with these people? Why do, why do wicked people seem to prosper so much?
2: Well, I, I think that one of the reasons that God allows the deception to continue is because uh, it is a judgment upon those who are being deceived. Um, Paul says that people will heap up for themselves teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. And in the case of these Word of Faith teachers, that's exactly what they get. Um, if, if persecution were to strike the United States, Joel Osteen's church would be empty tomorrow. <laughs> the day after persecution came. And it's the same yeah. thing with uh, Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland and all those false teachers. So they, they, are, they are offering a product that people want to, uh, to, to consume. And that product is a self-centered, man-exalting, God-denying, Christ-denying uh, doctrine, a religious system that gives them everything that their flesh desires and holds them accountable for nothing and for no sin. And that's what people want, and that's exactly what people are giving to them. So that's exactly what God is giving to them through those false teachers. Uh, God is providing for them that judgment. And men like Benny uh, Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland, their prosperity is not in itself a blessing of God. It is, in fact, a judgment upon them. And that's one of the things that Psalm 73 teaches, is that sometimes the prosperity is given to the wicked for the purpose of lifting them up so that their fall may be even more catastrophic. The more that they have, the more that they will lose in judgment and their destruction will be worse because their prosperity prepared them for that judgment.
3: Their prosperity is actually a judgment.
2: judgment. It's a curse. It blinds their eyes to the truth. It keeps them away from God without feeling any need for God. It, it deceives them into thinking that they are spiritual. It deceives them into thinking that they're godly. And through that prosperity, God ends up judging them. He ends up you know, blinding them through the prosperity to the judgment that is theirs.
0: You mentioned uh, products and Psalm 73. Uh, you wrote a book on Psalm 73 um, right nice. here called The Prosperity of the Wicked, uh, a study of Psalm 73. So I'll just figure out, plug a, a product that you had. I'm in your office. I'm Thank a- you. Access to your bookshelf. <laughs> By the way, I like the MacArthur Commentaries up there. Uh. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh, that that is a. I know you haven't read it
0: yet, but that no, I will not admit. I will <laughs> not admit to reading any of his books. I, I'm, you know, he 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 threatened. He he said that what he's going to do is ask me to endorse his next book, so that therefore I have to read it. And I said my endorsement is going to be, I have not actually read this book, but
3: I hear it's good. <laughs> yeah, it it is an excellent <laughs> book. It's it's a it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's a detailed, uh, detailed exposition of Psalm 73, and again, the title is "Prosperity of the Wicked." Uh, so, if you've ever had this question, dear ones, anyone who's watching out there in TV land, uh, you know why do these people seem to prosper? They're so manifestly wicked. Why do the why do the wicked seem to prosper? Why do the good guys seem to suffer? Um, it's an excellent book. So it deals can, with Psalm
2: seventy three. It. it is Psalm you can get it on Amazon in Kindle or print. But it is an exposition of Psalm seventy three. The whole book is about it, it isn't it is the text of Psalm seventy three exegeted and then applied and illustrated with uh examples of of wicked people prospering.
1: Wow.
2: Look, he's just left, he's oh. tired, he's gone. Yeah, no, Matt, no, Matt, left left
0: it. left, It's like Elvis. Yeah. Matt's Elvis. Left the building. Yeah. Right, so, well, yeah. I'm
2: gone. See you guys later.
0: Yeah, so 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 uh, Matt uh, Matt can still hear us. He he's got his headset on. But so Matt, do you, do you know the name Costi Hinn?
1: Yeah, it's somebody. Uh, his uh, what Nephew, right? Yeah, yeah. Do, do you know <laughs>
0: much? Do you know much about him and and his, his testimony?
1: No, I've uh, not been studying that stuff for a while. Um, so so no.
0: so here, here I think I think what might be good. Um, is because yeah, I think Matt, you, you'd get a lot out of this. Is maybe to have um, Justin tell you about a certain uh, phone call or text message that he received some time ago from someone in the Hin family.
3: Ooh, yeah. So um, this has been. Uh, this was December of two 2000- <clears> thousand. 16 yeah december of 2016 uh i'm in the doctor's office and uh just kind of waiting so i'm I get my phone out and i look at my email and uh, there's this when people call my ministry number it it goes uh if i miss the call it transcribes thank you transcribes the you know but it doesn't always get it exactly right and so i'm i'm looking at the transcript of this voicemail and the person appears to be thanking me for a ministry telling me how much he's learned and you know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and then the, in the transcript says, uh, my name is Costi Hinn. And I'm looking at the transcript and I'm thinking, no way. Cause I know who Costi Hinn is. I knew, I, I wrote my master's thesis on Benny Hinn. And this so I I mean, I know even though members of his family and I'm, I'm thinking, no way this has got to be, you know, it's not, it didn't, didn't it transcribe right or whatever. So Anyway, I called this person back. Sure enough, Benny Hen's nephew. Costi's father is Henry Hinn, Henry's Benny's brother. And um, Costi used to work for his uncle, Benny. Flew all around the world with him in a private jet, stayed in $25,000 per night hotel rooms. Costi was a catcher for Benny in the Miracle Crusades when Benny would slay people in the spirit and they would fall over. Costi was there to catch them. Uh, so he was i mean he was in the thick of it, and um about six seven years ago now, God saved Cassti genuinely saved him, and uh now Costi is uh a hundred and eighty degrees from where his his uh, f- uh, the rest of his family is at least most of the rest of his family hundred and eighty degrees from that and um Kosti is now reformed. Uh, soteriologically reformed. He's a cessationist, and I tell people if you're a, if you're a cessationist and your last name is Hen, you've come a long way. And, uh, so, uh, um, but he's become one of my dear friends, and uh, I just I love the socks off of him. He's a great, great guy, a very humble man, good preacher too, by the way. But he's he's a a, a pastor and uh, at a church, like an associate pastor at a church in uh, um, just. In the L.A. area, name escapes me right now, Tustin, California, Tustin. So, anyway. So, did you ever think, Matt, that there would be a, a hen that's actually going to heaven?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Because God could save people. He's sovereign. I don't know if you know yeah. that yet. You can save anybody, even a, even hey, a hen.
3: Costi and I, we later discovered, after we got to know each other a little bit more, he and I have actually been at some of the same Benny Hinn Crusades together on different sides of the theological spectrum. You know, he was there helping his uncle. I was there for research. Uh, he but was we there counting at some the of those,
2: money and you were there giving it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Justin was giving money. <laughs> no, no, no. But
0: but, but, uh, wait a minute. You
1: got back up. Back up $25,000 a night hotel rooms? Yes.
3: That's for not an exaggeration. $25,000 per night in... And this was, this was more than ten years ago. So who knows what it okay.
0: is now? You had told me a, a, an account once. I forget. I think it was Benny Hinn, of what he does in the hotel rooms, where he he, he gets there week. Like they they remove all the furniture, He brings his own furniture in. Well, that's Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland, explain because Matt, well, this will probably blow Matt's mind. Um, Matt, if you don't know, if you think the twenty five thousand dollar a night is a big deal, you got to hear what Kenneth Copeland does.
3: So uh, another friend of mine that I, I met about seven, eight years ago, a guy named uh, Daniel, and uh, I won't give his last name, but anyway, Daniel used to work at the fanciest hotel in Branson, Missouri. He was the uh, the uh, maintenance supervisor or whatever. And uh, there's a, a big word of faith preacher in Branson named uh, Keith Moore. Keith Moore is good friends with Kenneth Copeland. And so once a year, Keith Moore has – Kenneth Copeland come in and preach at his church. And when Kenneth Copeland is there, he stays at the hotel that my friend Daniel used to work at. And uh, it's the nicest hotel in Branson. And Daniel told me, he said, Justin, you would not believe the rider that Kenneth Copeland sends us. The rider, apparently, I didn't know this until I met him, but apparently a rider is something that uh, like a highfalutin speaker will send to a, a hotel before so he green gets there. Eminem,
4: like Van Halen.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you and uh, so just part of Kenneth Copeland's writer, before he gets there, and he only stays there two nights, but not only does he get the presidential suite, he he rents out the entire floor that the presidential suite is on. Kenneth Copeland doesn't want anybody else on the same floor with him the bed in the presidential suite is not good enough for Kenneth. So he actually has them take the bed out and he ships his own bed, his own or one of his beds, ships it ahead of him to the hotel. They have to assemble the bed in the hotel room. Uh, he has uh, security cameras placed in the corners of, of the entire floor. Uh his own personal driver is there, and his driver has to sit or actually stand outside of the car all night long just to do it. I guess I don't know, but it. Uh, Daniel said he is. Uh, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland are uh, paranoid in the extreme. Gloria Copeland, every time she comes there, she makes a hotel staff cry because she's so mean. Uh, and I've heard this from multiple Mr. people. You, you broke Copeland. up. the I mean, staff they're, what? They're, Oh, Gloria Copeland is, is just so mean to the staff. She makes, she makes the cleaning ladies cry. I mean, she's just – they're horrible people. And I've, I've heard this from many, many people who have been connected to the Copelands. I've talked to a number of them in the last number of years. But, yeah, I mean, it's just unbelievable. You can't even make this kind of stuff up. I mean, you, you ship your own bed to a hotel because the bed and the presidential suite's not good enough for it. It's just unbelievable. I take my own pillow. Is that, that's close.
1: Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I take a pillow.
0: Yeah. Well, spe- and speaking of which,
1: you know, I we don't, know, don't
0: have no I, underwear I, 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 also.
2: Andrew brought his own pillow to my house.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and, uh, you know, we, I, I'm still waiting, Matt. I got to get the, uh, the, the, The number. From Stu for the My Pillow commercial, we're supposed to play for the radio station. But but you and I both. I mean, I travel with a My Pillow. I love those things. So yeah, I yeah, do too. I, I do travel
4: with my 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 Pillow. Um, so yeah. <laughs> hey, hey guys, uh, in the Pentecostal circles, there's a lot of like. There's a demon of X. There's a demon of this. Every kind of. Things
1: that you can I associate. how the demon of apathy could get anything done.
4: Well, what I'm saying is it, it, fair enough. When you get anything, um, when you come out of that, um, it, kind of like as Martin Luther said, there's a there's a tendency to overcorrect. So when uh, maybe this would be a good question for Justin. So when you're talking to someone, how do you not go? To another extreme where you discount, say, any satanic activity. Now, granted, we would say the word of faith is Satan is active in that. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I remember hearing a confessional Lutheran guy where he was saying there's more overt satanic activity in non-Western cultures because they don't really come from an atheistic, materialistic mindset. So... Maybe in this culture we see less overt, um, overt uh, things because uh, that would give away the game. Uh, right. But anyway, just uh, not just that topic, but just how do you prevent overcorrection uh, from yeah, the yeah. abuses?
3: That's that's a good question. And um, one of the common misconceptions that people have about me, I hear this all the time. Oh, Justin doesn't believe that God heals people today. I don't. That's not at all what I teach. I believe that God not only can, but on occasion, uh, does. I don't think it's a common thing, but uh, God can and does do whatever He wants to do. And God can heal people when it's His sovereign will to do so. Uh, with the like, with the there, there is an overcorrection uh, to it. Uh, demons are real. Satan is real. They do have some power. Um, and uh, since since the question was raised, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Uh, uh, pass this off to, to Jim Osmond because uh, Jim, it's like the Jim Osmond book night. You've, you've written another book. You've written another book. And uh, so, Jim, tell us this <laughs> the title, of this book, Truth or Territory. Jim, give us a, a Cliff Note version of what this book is about. Now, related to, uh, I'm sorry, is it Jeff, right? Is it Jeff? Yeah. Yeah, Jeff's question. Um, Because we don't want to diminish the reality of Satan and demons, so take it away.
2: Yeah, uh, let me me answer his question first. So to answer your question, we don't have to overcorrect. We can't have a middle-of-the-road approach where we say the demons are real, their activity is real, their influence is real, all according to the sovereign hand of God who allows that for his purposes. Uh, Like Martin Luther says, that God has the devil on a leash. So we can acknowledge those influences and those effects um, without going without giving him undue credit and saying, "Well, my my alcoholism is a result of demon possession, or my apathy is a result of demonic influence." Or, um, you know, there's not a demon behind every bush. Um, the the Pentecostal and the charismatic uh, camp wants to give Satan credit for everything, and on the other side, you have the anti-supernaturalist. A materialist camp that wants to deny any kind of supernatural reality. And I think we've got to be right in the middle and say, these things are true, they exist. Then the question becomes, how do we deal with them? Are we supposed to be taking back territory and binding Satan and rebuking devils and canceling generational curses? Mm. Or are should we be standing in the truth, proclaiming the truth, and waging a truth war? And that's the difference between those two perspectives of spiritual warfare that I detail in the book.
4: Okay, the um... Uh the, uh the the lutheran guy his he wrote the book called i am not afraid he had a like a four or five part episode uh uh interview on uh issues etc i'd highly recommend looking up i think he, he, his approach was just the, the gospel it was just that's how you would deal with you know e- anything from demonic possession to um yeah. everything else people in, people the in the gospel. deliverance
2: ministry would say that you've got to you've got to sort of pave the way or smooth the way for a gospel proclamation by binding Satan first and canceling generational curses and, and taking back enough territory and rebuking the devil. And you got to loosen his grip on that person. Then you can present the gospel, and the gospel will have an effect. The gospel will come in and change the life, and, and then that person will be able to receive the gospel. And I think I it's the exact opposite. I think that the gospel comes first. The gospel, it does deliver us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It delivers us from, from Satan's kingdom and puts us into Christ's kingdom. And the gospel itself is the power of God into salvation. We don't need to pave the way first by taking back all that territory. We simply need to present the gospel and stand in the truth. And that fights back the the enemy's lies and and uh, and, and frees the captives. That sets the captives free through the gospel, not through all these other spurious means.
0: You know, and it's not just with this group. I mean, you, you asked the question earlier about, uh, Jim, you asked the question earlier of Matt with with related to, you know, some of the stuff where where do they go when they realize this stuff is wrong? You know, we've dealt with this with Mormons, right? You know, the, the thing is, is when you see Mormons that come out of Mormonism, they don't come to Christianity most often. They usually yeah. come to atheism yeah. because they've been told that the Bible's corrupt, that Christianity's corrupt, Mormonism is the only truth. So when they realize that Mormonism isn't true, they give that up. And yeah. I think that's why it's the, the most important thing is to present the gospel. Same with the Mormons. I man. That's why we, we try to explain to Mormons with the true gospel messages. Like, you know, Matt and I go down to Manti every year, and it's not enough to say that the Mormon church is wrong. It's not enough to say that these faith healers are wrong. We need to say, this is what the biblical gospel is. This is what the Bible says. This is where you have the truth. So these guys are wrong because they disagree with the truth of Scripture. I I think that's a key thing that we have to do when dealing with this. I mean, we we see this, Matt, all the time down in Manti.
4: Um, I've been experiencing that with a, a conservative Roman Catholic. I think, and um, I think of others. I've seen that with Jehovah Witnesses when they deconvert. Like when I talk to this conservative Roman Catholic, he's open. He kind of when I kind of explain to him, his church is a lot more liberal than what's on the books. Um, you've contradicted the past. He's open, and then he's kind of like, "Oh well, if Rome isn't the final authority and stuff, then it's like atheism," and he he has like a epistemological freak out. So. It's kind of like how do you uh I don't I, I don't know what to say. I guess is a good question. Like so whether it's Mormons, whether it's Catholics, uh, conservative Catholics, that is, uh liberal Catholics are a lot easier to talk to. Um, uh Jehovah Witnesses or someone who's knee deep in a deceptive uh religion. Um like how do you talk to them when they real they can realize it's wrong, but um you know, I, I don't know how quite to express it. It's, I specifically think of my Catholic friend well, where they where they they were just like, oh, like everything hinges on their false belief. And if that false belief goes, then they'll go atheist.
0: Well, see, and I'll say and then I'll open up the others, see what, what everyone else says. But I, I think what you do is you share the gospel and you explain the truth of the gospel and why that conservative Catholicism is still false because they have a message of faith plus works. And when you add yeah. works to the work that God did, you're basically diminishing the work that God did on the cross and saying that wasn't enough, that you needed to do something. And that's, that's the most disingenuous thing you can ever do. And so I think that you, you share the truth of the difference between faith and works versus faith alone. Right, Matt, Justin, you guys, what do you think? Great.
1: Matt, you well, I think that uh, the scriptures are sufficiently specific in various areas to address various needs. So if an authority issue comes up in Catholicism, I'm going to address the issue of authority with somebody and say, yeah, unfortunately, you put your faith in a sacerdotal system or the authority of the church. And I want to address the issues of apostolic succession and authority and deal with that and and really pay attention to the persons where where they're at. Because... Jehovah's Witnesses are authoritatively driven also, but the, the as far as Roman Catholics, everything has to do with the authority of the church, the authority, of the descendancy out of the apostles, the authority, of the authority. And so they look at life and religion and truth based on the authority of the church. The church is false, therefore authority is false. Gotta go to the scriptures and say, No, let's shift your understanding of authority away from a man's organization to God's revelation. And I think it's just a procedure that needs to be done. And, of course, the gospel has got to get out there. But I do believe that sometimes we have to prep the ground for the gospel. Now, I'm Reformed, you know, but the thing is that God does use us, woo us. He brings people through certain circumstances. Whatever right way he does, John six forty four, as he draws us in order to get us uh, to that place where then irresistibly he, he regenerates us. So I don't know how it all works, but uh, that's what I do with Catholics. I address the the, the squeaky part of the of the engine. You know, get that, that get that going, smooth that out. Go to the next issue, next issue, so that they're ready. Hopefully, uh, by God's grace, to receive the, the true gospel.
4: It's almost can't... like am <laughs> sorry, It's almost like they feel like they can't know anything if their authority falls. So, Matt, exactly I thought correct. Said, uh, uh, yeah, so.
0: Kind of what you
4: said there, yeah. Especially with the other cults too. Not, not. And and
0: and this is why, you know, I don't personally like. I I had a, a, as as you may know, you know, with writing book a book on world religions. Right, I deal with other other people that deal with that stuff. And there are some people. There's a guy in my area who his whole focus is undermining the authority of Jehovah Witnesses of the Watchtower of uh, the you know Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to undermine their authority. The problem I see with that is when you undermine their authority, what do you leave them with? Nothing. Because now they just know that what they believed was wrong. I think, you know, you need to give the gospel. It's okay to say, look, they're wrong, but they're wrong because this is what Scripture says. So what we're doing is lifting God up on high, lifting Scripture up on high, and putting their systems in in their proper place, which is faulty.
1: Say it again, Matt? Sorry. Out with the bad, in with the good. Explain why this is wrong. Here's what's right. And then the reason you can say it's wrong is because you have a standard of what is right. you got to do both.
0: Yeah, and if you, if you don't focus on the gospel, then great. So they left the Mormon church. They left, you know, Joel uh, Joelstein's church. Big deal. They're still going to hell yeah. without the gospel. I mean, they have to repent. That's the, that's the, the key message we, we as Christians want to
1: deliver. Amen. Get them so, to that gospel.
0: So I want, I want to play a, a game with you guys. Uh, word monopoly.
4: association.
0: Oh, yeah, Not monopoly, word association. I want to throw out some names and, and let uh, Justin and, and Jim, who's been kind of quiet, you know, maybe that's why he went in the other room. He went in the library and he thinks he he has to be quiet in there, but uh, you know, throw out names out the, the first thing, Matt and, and Jim and, and Justin, what do you think of when you, when you think of these different guys? So, um, you know, it, you know, I'll, I'll start – we'll start this time with uh, with Matt and then Jim and, and Justin so we don't have everyone talking over each other. So uh, Joel Steen, Matt, what do you think?
1: Slimeball heretic.
0: Jim? Charlatan. Justin?
4: Cream puff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I play? <laughs> I was going to say nice smile. <laughs> smile? I was going to say smile. That's what I was going to say. Andrew and I are on the same page. <laughs>
0: So uh, this I'll start with Jim and then Justin, Matt, um, Todd, Benley, Jim, criminal, Justin, charlatan. Hey, that's
3: my word. <laughs>
0: Matt, what do you think of Todd Benley? Violent,
3: violent. Oh yeah, violent. Yeah. Okay, why? Yes. You know, we didn't
0: really talk about that. Explain why you would say that for for Todd Benley with violent.
1: Well, kicking people, get the Holy Spirit, things like that, of violence. Um, I think that's um, that revelatory of the evil that's indwelling so that you see what really is the truth coming out in a violent act.
3: Yeah, He literally really kicked a, violent a man, man in the stomach with a... He had- <clears throat> stage four colon cancer kicked him in the, in the gut. And I was there. I saw with him. his big, with his biker boots, right? Well, uh, yeah. I don't remember what his shoes were, but probably, but yeah, I mean, he, he claimed he kicked an elderly woman in the face with his biker boot, but I saw him kick a man um, with cancer in the, in the stomach.
1: I'd like to talk yeah. to him for a little bit.
3: <laughs> he is practicing
0: a little Maga with him, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Spiritual Krav Maga. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, okay, so we'll start with Justin and Matt and, and Jim. Um, Kenneth Copeland. Heretic. Matt?
1: Unbeliever. Jim?
0: He's an evil man,
2: an evil deceiver.
0: All right, this time we'll start with, with Matt, Jim, and then Justin. So, Matt, uh, Benny Hinn.
1: Evil deceiver. Jim,
2: uh, I was going to say something like a clown, some sort of a clownish behavior. He just—he strikes me as somebody who just is can't even be taking himself seriously, really. A showman, maybe.
3: Yeah, it's uh, along the lines. I was going to say carnival Barker, <laughs> carnival Barker. <laughs> Isn't that Jesse Duplantis? Can we can
2: we save that one for Jesse Duplantis? Carnival.
3: Barker? Yeah, it, yeah it's yeah a lot of. <laughs>
0: Okay, so uh, I forgot we're we so we should go with Jim first this time. So okay, uh, so Jim, uh, now I forgot the, the one I was going to give you start, start but okay, we will go do with Jesse Duplantis. Why don't we do that one? So Jim, no, Jesse Duplantis, Carnival Barker. That's what
2: I would say for him. <laughs>
0: Justin.
3: Oh, uh, oh golly, it, it, there's so many c- keep coming back to the same terms. A, a comedic wolf. How about that? He's a <laughs> comedic because he's. He's a great stand-up comedian. Terrible theologian. Terrible <laughs> preacher. Matt. He's a gifted deceiver. Mm.
0: Uh-huh. It's an issue both of you guys pick up the giftedness, so uh, <laughs> so yeah, you know, like the, I mean, he's he's he. It's part of this is the entertainment stuff. So we'll start Justin this time. Uh, um,
1: <laughs> Stephen Verdict.
0: I wasn't no. thinking of Stephen Verdict, Okay, uh-huh. that's a great one to go with. Okay, Stephen Verdict. Immature. Huh. Not unqualified? unqualified. Oh, I was going to go with yes. that one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay, we'll say that for... So, I'm, I'm immature, immature. Immature. Okay, awesome Matt. has
3: got unqualified.
0: Matt, what do you think for Stephen Furtick?
1: Amateur theologian. Jim?
2: Wow, he actually used the term theologian to refer to him. I'm not sure I can agree <laughs> with he that. He
1: does try and do a little theology, but he doesn't know what he's doing. He does enough just to hurt himself. And uh, okay. <laughs> you know he's an amateur, and uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. You know, I need to hold a, a conference, a theology conference, for these guys, and uh, start at the I'm going to say it; I'll get too mean. They, they <laughs> need to learn.
0: I love the you know the Babylon B where he they I don't know if you guys follow Babylon B. They had one where John MacArthur spoke at a women's conference. And uh, they, he locked them all into a uh, all the women's pastors into a uh, container and locked
1: it up and dropped it in the bottom of the, lock them in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, the Babylon Beast satirized me also. Oh, really?
3: I got to go check that one. Really? Okay. Oh man! Mm-hmm. You, you've so, made it. you made it into the big leagues of Babylon Beast. So they had not done anything with me.
1: Matt Matchly from Carm says fits obviously a cult, and it went in like that. It was, it was uh, great. I
2: was going to say that Babylon Bee should do a do an article about Justin Peters going on running wild with bear girls, two days out surviving in the wilderness, <laughs> repelling down cliffs and climbing mountains.
0: It'd be interesting to see what Babylon uh, Bee would do with Justin. That's hilarious. Yeah. So so let's start with this one I'll we'll start this one with with Matt. Beth Beth Moore. Oh.
1: Does the word slappable work? Is that is that okay? I just feel like I mean it's not a nice thing to say, but I get irritated with the ones who are the closest, who who use emotions and nice niceties in order to make people be deceived. I'm like, Stop it. You know? That's I'm not advocating violence like the like the Democrats are. I'm just saying it just makes me mad. <laughs> Jim? Beth Moore.
2: somebody who is descending and deteriorating quickly. Yeah. I mean, she is not just, uh, you know, there was a time when Beth Moore, you would just kind of say, well, I don't know, I guess um, not the best thing, pick out the bones, eat the meat. But now it's just, man, is there any meat left on this carcass at all? She's descending and deteriorating so quickly into chaos and theological dreck. I just don't even know there's anything good there at all anymore.
3: I, I don't know what I could add to that. I mean, I, he's he's right. Beth, the the sad thing about Beth Moore is that stuff that she was putting out fifteen years ago, uh, way better than what she's doing now. I mean, she's she, now, for all intents and purposes, she is full blown word of faith, full blown word of faith and uh, egalitarian. Yeah, she preaches to it's, men. Sometimes her treatment
2: of scripture and the way that she teaches. Oh would make you think that Joel Osteen is MacArthur like in his expository genius. I'm
1: yeah. <laughs> not
2: saying something. Yeah.
1: You know I yeah, went I mean, to uh, Joel Osteen's church? Yes, yeah,
3: yes she did. She preached at Joel Osteen's church. No, I did. Uh, I went to the
0: church. Did. Oh, she did too? She oh, yeah. preached? Oh, I thought yeah, she, she, preached she preached there. You didn't. You just went and visited. I want to. <laughs> yeah. So so she well, was at so she preached a Sunday
3: service at Joel Osteen's. I don't know if it was a Sunday service but there was a a conference there
0: a at conference. Lakewood.
3: Okay. I don't know if she, it was a Sunday service but 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 yeah, I've got a I've got a screenshot of her up on the platform at Lakewood Church preaching. I mean, I mean the way that Beth Moore is going at, at the speed at which she is deteriorating, it it we're probably going to get to the point where it's, <laughs> you're you're going to hear Joel Osteen say, "No, wait a minute. <laughs> no, wait. Come on, that's a, yeah. that's a little too much." <laughs>
1: Joel Joel Osteen might rescind
0: any invitations to preach at his church.
3: (laughs) When Joel Osteen starts correcting Beth Moore, that would really be... (laughs) And may I say, and may I say, I'm just going to say it. Beth, it doesn't matter how sincere Beth Moore may be. I have no doubt she probably is sincere. Sincerity is not the issue. Truth is the issue. And, And there is no one... There is no one in the SBC, there is no prominent voice in the SBC that is brave enough to call out Beth Moore for what she is and what she's teaching. No one. And I do mean no one. You think of the highest of the high up in the SBC, the biggest names, presidents of the biggest seminaries, hint, hint, um, In the SBC will not say... One Did word will not touch Beth Moore. She is untouchable.
1: Can I segue off of that? Um, what you said? I like it. We, I, all of us, sometime should do a little talk about the failure of men. As biblical yeah. leaders yeah. in the church, uh, because what I, I think should happen is, is men—well, men are the ones responsible—and they should be flying horizontally across the stage, knee tackling her and get her off the stage. That's what real spiritual men should do. What is wrong with the men in the church today? That's so a failure. I really Oh, guys, it, it, if, yeah.
4: if you don't mind me mentioning something, um, sure. one thing I noticed from my time in the Pentecostal world was that. I think there's a things like this kind of creep up. I this is my theory is that there's a real fear of blaspheming the Holy Spirit by saying like, oh, I, if I if I say like something isn't of the Holy Spirit, maybe I'm blaspheming the Holy Spirit or something like that. Like or or right. there's um, and and it causes fear. Yeah, I'm a. It, there's fear to say something because they don't want to be speaking against the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's sad. They can't even
2: identify the work of the Holy Spirit. Then they would know <laughs> when they're speaking against him and when they're not.
4: Right.
0: That's a good, you point. know, one of the, thing, one of the things that, that was said at the strange fire conference that was interesting was, you know, with, with all the, the nonsense that goes on, and they say that, you know, if you don't accept all this nonsense, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit, you're putting him in a box. And the reality, and I, I think it might have been Phil Johnson, I don't remember, that basically said, no, it could be MacArthur, that, that basically said, no, when, when you attribute to God, to the Holy Spirit, what he is not doing, that is blasphemy of mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. They're actually the ones doing the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. When no, they no, claim, no, you
1: guys, I... I Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a very specific thing in Matthew 12, to well, 32. People get that well, wrong. When, a
0: lot. Yeah, yeah, well, we blaspheme of God. I mean, the way they're using it.
1: Yeah, that's different. Yeah. Way,
0: yeah. When they say that we're blaspheming the Holy Spirit by not, uh, by not giving credit to the Holy Spirit for things they claim he's doing. But if he's not doing those things, then that is blasphemy. Right. You know? And,
1: and Jesus I, it, says all sorts of blasphemies will be forgiven but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven it's a simple solution to go study that pericope of scripture and you can figure yeah. out that what that is is saying that Jesus was doing his miracles by the power of the evil evil one and that, that's what it is and it has to do with an issue against the work of Christ it ties into his baptism well, yeah, yeah. And other things, but
0: yeah. yeah not speaking of that specific I guess, I guess better is uh, Susan in the chat has a better it's, it's mocking of the Holy Spirit it makes a mockery of the Holy Spirit
1: yeah. with they're mocking they Christ were, yeah, They're mocking Christ, the one who bought us and the one who is the sovereign king, and they're putting themselves on the throne. It's Christ whom they are mocking. And the fact that they're going to be so worried about the Holy Spirit, which is something they should be concerned about, means that to some degree their eyes are off of Christ and onto the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is a better witness of Christ as well as the truth and to convict the world of sin. And so if they're so concerned with the Holy Spirit, there's an imbalance there. It should be that they're concerned with how they're pleasing Christ. And when they can get their eyes off the Holy Spirit and onto Christ, not to belittle the third person of the Godhead, but this is how it's supposed <coughs> to be. The Father and the Son bear witness of the Son. And that's how it's supposed to be in the churches as well. So then they wouldn't have any problems.
4: Yeah.
0: So uh... – So you know, I want to try to wrap up the show. We got a couple more things to to cover. This there's something, Matt, actually, that you and Justin have in common that I want to I want to cover. But before we do, good looking.
3: uh,
0: Well, Justin is. um, You have a face for radio. Um, That's right. (laughs) Which which we should plug. Uh, We haven't I haven't plugged that one yet. So so folks, you you know. By the way, um, this. What you end up listening to becomes a podcast that you can listen to. If you go search for Apologetics Live, we have that as a podcast. But uh, we also have, if you search for uh, Matt Slick, you can get the Matt Slick Live, which he does five days a week, Monday through Friday, uh, live radio show. And you can get that. Um, Justin may be starting podcasting again soon. Yep, We've finally got him some equipment. Yep. So, uh, you know, let's, let's go around and just, uh, you know, anything that's going on with you, you got, you got
3: a trip coming up to Israel soon. I do. Yep. Uh be going to Israel for 10 days, be my first trip to Israel actually. And it's so awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, it's I'm awesome. excited about it. So uh, yeah. Um, but um, next you're gonna, year, you're going to
0: bring me back something. Of course. Okay. Yeah. What do you want? Bring back you know, one of the I stones think, I didn't try out. I, I, no. <laughs> the the rainstorm that your your pastor jim has up here just a nice long yeah yeah Yeah, so far yeah give me a nice chauffeur i'll uh he's he's gonna make me blow it tomorrow at the conference yeah
3: (laughs) so uh yeah uh, going to israel and um next year i have a my calendar's filling up pretty quickly i think right now i already have five international trips planned for next year
0: um, so. Yeah, you and I are you and I are you going, and I are going, going to the Philippines for well, a week and a half or two weeks or something? So
3: Indeed. you're going to eat the
0: balut?
1: No, 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 no. no.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> Andrew's going to eat Andrew. balut. No, no, no. Do you know what it is, Andrew?
0: No, but I will. But I'll see if he eats it first. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! You, oh, you don't. You eat won't it. eat it. But you want me to? I ain't eating no balut. What? What is I balut? Right?
1: it's an a chicken egg. That's has that where the chicken is halfway developed, No. Oh. not oh, just yeah. the yolk. Then they kind of cook it in it, and then they come around and you eat this thing. It's got it looks like a chicken in there. Yeah, Ooh.
4: yeah, pa- they have that, that in Cambodia.
1: Like I that, would try half-cooked
3: dogs. I'm I'm cool with that. <laughs> beak and beak and all and the little claws and everything you forget
0: I, my wife's is from hong kong I re, i've already eaten strange things <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> no Jim, Jim, you got anything going on i know i know you got something going on this weekend did,
2: sure. yeah we've got andrew here for it's a conference and the evangelism conference this weekend starts tomorrow night Must through saturday and then he's preaching and teaching adult sunday school class on sunday and after that, man, I don't know. It's just, I'm just going to be sitting around doing nothing once I'm done You're going to be Andrew. sitting around working on a new book. I am working on a new book, yeah. What's um, it on? Um, th- these people who claim that God speaks to them through the still, small voice. Oh, that's right. Um, uh, speaks to them through still, small voice impressions, nudgings, um, signs, uh, confirmations, putting out fleeces, whether that is a biblical way of discerning the will of God and hearing God speak. Uh, so it's going to be a defense of – it's going to be called God Doesn't Whisper. God wants to say something; He'll let you know. He's not going to have a hard time communicating with you.
1: So well, that, let's uh, let's talk about it. Let wow. you and I talk because I'm the only charismatic guy here, and uh, which I, I I do believe God can communicate to us. I have some interesting stories where I, I know I, it was. I can't exegete stories. <laughs> no, it just you know I'm a good theologian, or ho- hopefully, but uh,
2: uh, I thought so until this moment right here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Well, let me tell you, man. I, he's, I was, he's also he I also believes that
0: he also believes in that covenant theology stuff. So we, you know, just
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm,
2: I'm done. I'm done. No, I'm serious.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be worth uh, having a discussion uh, because I might have might have a little perspective that might be a little bit different. It might be Matt, really just, theology. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so so Matt, no, you got, I, you I've have anything? A lot of stuff.
2: Hey, Andrew. You, Andrew, one thing I'd like to say. Today is sure. my wife's birthday, and I'm here uh, chatting with you guys instead of spending the time with her. That you're shows how important you guys are.
1: Yeah, me, yeah. yeah. Matt, speaking of male
2: leadership trouble. and male headship and and men, <laughs> I felt yeah. convicted. Yeah,
0: he planned a conference on his wife's birthday. I mean, yeah, he he has some making
1: up to do. I think. So, be doing a marriage seminar pretty soon, on how to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: I think, I think maybe I may have to change the topic of this from evangelism to marriage seminar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has been married for 25 years,
3: so you know. <laughs> so hey, Jim, oh, sorry. Yeah. Jim, what's what's the church's website? Where can people find out more about Uh, it's
2: kootnechurch.org, k o o t e n a i church.org. You'll see uh Justin sermons linked on there. Uh, and a lot of a
3: lot of good resources. Well, your sermons are late. Yeah,
0: and do. I'll I'll put that in the show notes too. He's
3: preaching through the Book of Hebrews right now, and it's excellent. Ooh, and he, preaches, good stuff. he preaches through books in a very quickly, right? I mean, he's he just oh yeah yeah. I've, it's basically a chapter a certain you know, chapter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I kind of so so
0: Matt, you'll get a kick out of this. So, you know, I met some of the folks from the church, and basically everybody dates when they came to the church. By not just what book he was in, but what chapter. Someone was like, "Yeah, I, can't, I came. He was in John chapter four. I was in John seventeen. <laughs> he's in the he's in the book so long that they can date it by the chapter they came in on.
1: So do they? Do they measure their spiritual worth by the further back in the books that they? they
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. So, so Matt, I want to have a, a little bit of fun here. And, and we want to make sure we, we get to see Justin's uh, reaction here.
3: Oh, no.
4: But,
0: you know, <laughs> Matt, Matt, there's something that, um, you know, you, you and Justin have in common that you and Justin seem to fail at contests with me. And so if folks go out, they can, they can go to JustinIWin.com. It's now live. And you're going to get to see Justin's face as he gets to see this for the first time. Uh, there's a video that explains the history of JustinIWin.com. But it is a way to donate to Justin Peters. And we're, there's a button there that says support hashtag JustinIWin. And what you want to do is on Twitter and everywhere, you want to post hashtag JustinIWin. And basically what it is, there's a video that of me describing uh, how this started, and and basically what, what we're doing is we we want to support Justin, uh, and and it's it's me getting bragging rights for you guys supporting Justin. That's really what it comes down to. You support Justin Peters, and I get to brag that he gets more support than me. So we're asking you guys. So it's kind of like Matt can't seem to manage to buy me a meal, though I offered, I offered for Matt Slick to buy me a meal. Uh, November 11th, uh, he was cordially invited to my daughter's wedding. And if he wants to buy that meal for everybody, I will be happy to let him pay the bill at, at the wedding. Uh, you know, for some reason he's, he's looking for a more private dinner to pay for.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's going to happen. one day. It's going to happen. And you're going to have to eat a lot of crow, but it's going <laughs> to happen.
4: <laughs> Hey,
0: listen! I will gladly eat the crow if you want to pay for the wedding. I'm j- I'm just saying I'll be, be happy. That'd
1: be nice. Hey, I'd love to be able to pay for the wedding. <laughs> All the good advice I gave your daughter it looks like it paid off.
0: <laughs> yes, it's see It may we'll, we'll let you think that that's what it is. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So so some places you could go support dot org. Uh, great ministry. Great resources. Um, but I do strongly encourage if you're going to go to Justin Peters and support him, please go to the, the Justin, Iwin.com. We're trying to make it easy for you to donate to him. And he is like, you see his head's down. He is too humble of a guy. He hates this. He is so <laughs> humble. And guess what? That's the reason you should donate to him. All right. So uh, we're, we want to get as much to him as possible. Uh, and you know, to, to bless him. And this is my way of getting, you know, bragging rights over him. I have fun. And I've, I've done none of this without his pastor's permission, by the way, that's a true uh, story. The the website, uh, all the things we've, we've asked his pastor the whole way <laughs> and he's approved every step of this. <laughs> you have anything oh, you want to say? <laughs>
3: uh, no, I just, I'm bad. Uh, I, I don't know. I've, I'm very grateful uh, to you, Andrew. I really am. Andrew's a, a good brother. I, yeah, this is very awkward for me, but I'll, I'll say this about Andrew. Um, no, let's just end it. No, there. no. Let's, <laughs> so, in uh, this past January, yeah, it was January, right? January, G3? Yeah, yeah. January, February, G3. G3 conference in Atlanta. Um, Andrew, I was, I had two breakout sessions at the G3 conference and um Andrew flew down for the conference got paid his own ticket paid his own hotel paid his own food paid his own conference admission everything just to help me just to help me at my table and help me get my socks and shoes on in the mornings and uh, you know whatever i needed he did all that at his own expense and uh, so um yeah Andrew's a, a good brother and so I, I I appreciate you and everything that you've done for me and the ministry. And, and um, yeah, appreciate you, brother. Well,
0: well therefore everyone should go whatever. to Justin, dot and <laughs> donate
3: to Justin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> one day, Justin will get me back. One day, Matt slick will get me back, but that day is not today. So may- maybe by next week we could, we could find out that somehow one of them outslicked me. But until then, uh, next Thursday night, we'll be back to a regular Q&A with Matt Slick uh, going over apologetics questions. Uh, maybe we'll get into some of the uh, the, the problems or the heat that uh, I have been in, um, that or Matt and I both were, were kind of in, in, in a little bit of a battle this, the past couple of weeks. So uh, maybe we'll get into explaining some of that. But uh, until next week, want to thank you guys for watching, for listening, and remember to strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God.